Hello and welcome to On The Ball, the podcast that's glad it stumped up the cancellation fee for that Wembley hotel room on May bank holiday weekend. You join us for episode 130 of this podcast. I'm Steve Sanders, aka at NCFC Numbers, sitting in for Michael Bailey, who I think right about now he's probably on a plane travelling to Australia. We think this will be his last holiday of the season, but he could still find time to squeeze another one in. We don't know. Um, so those of us who were grounded at Carrow Road on Saturday will have seen Norwich City valiantly defeated by Sheffield United with shots raining down on the visitors' goal. It still remains a mystery how the Canaries lost, but the moral victory is surely theirs. Yeah, obviously, none of that is true. Uh, just one shot on target in a predictable, tedious and stodgy performance. We'll try and find other adjectives to describe Saturday, discuss whether the playoffs are now a write-off, squeeze in a bit of player of the season chat. Maybe this is finally Carlo Nash's year and Ryan's here with a quiz to make the rest of us look like idiots. That's what usually happens anyway. Um, however, we have a pod lineup for the ages for you tonight. Those of you uh, watching won't actually be able to see them yet, so I am going to add them back into the stream. There we go. There's your spoilers. Um, first of all, uh, we're starting with a man who has given up just about everything for Lent, but thankfully not the On The Ball podcast. Uh, he knows who it is already. Uh, it's Ben Manser. Ben, how are you doing? Good evening, everybody. I'm very well. How are you, Steve? Yes, uh, I'm doing all right. Thanks, obviously. Uh, you know, big, big shoes to fill, um, but I've been here before, so uh, I, I think I know what I'm doing. Well, yeah, we'll let the audience I, I, I did have to um I did have to go out and get a new notepad actually because of the copious amounts of notes I've got on uh, Saturday's <laughs> game and um the last couple of weeks of Norwich City action in general. So can't wait to get stuck into it all. Excellent. That's the level of prep that we all like uh, we all put into this <laughs> podcast, isn't it? Um well, what it sounds like what we need is a must good panelist, and uh, this is the must good go to guy. I don't think that works. Um, and probably the only member of today's panel who has had Michael Bailey round his house for a sleepover. Uh, it's uh, it's Dan Brigham. Dan, uh, hello, Steve. You? I was just about to say we didn't get a lot of sleep, but that, that just would have sounded really wrong, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? You've already said that, actually. You've already told Ben and, <laughs> and the audience how you're doing. I mean, I'm still doing I'm, okay. I, I am okay, later. Um, although I do have quite a disturbing mental image right now. Um, but yes, uh, beyond that, I'm I'm very well and uh, pumped. Just to add a bit of context. Michael stayed at uh, my house for, after the Huddersfield game, the memorable Huddersfield game, because I live in Yorkshire. Was he a was he a good house guest? Did he, you know, kind of? Well, we um, can get on to that later if we've got time to fill, which we probably have. <laughs> I'm pretty. The fact he's now gone to Australia is probably like indication. <laughs> Dan's banished him to the other side of the world. Ben says he's got reams and reams of notes about the last four games. I've got reams and reams of notes about Michael Bailey staying over at this house. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll see what we can uh, wring more content out of the Sheffield United game or Michael staying at uh, with, with Dan in Weatherby. Um, however, we still have another uh, guest to introduce. Um, he was the absolute linchpin of the last on the board podcast. And tonight he's bringing the youthful exuberance, enthusiasm and yes, a quiz to this one. Uh, just don't ask him about crisps. It's uh, Ryan Livermore. Right. I very nearly started a timer to see how long the crisp thing would take to bring up. Because in the group <laughs> chat, you lot chastised me about this. And I, I feel like my only like things I can bring to the podcast now, my personality is based around quizzing and not liking crisps. So if that's anything to go by, we'll be done in like five minutes. Like, this is it. This is it. 
Well, I apologise for having ticked both of those boxes already. <laughs> I don't want to pigeonhole you, Ryan, but I, I did feel that um, Michael let that go without enough of an inquisition uh, a couple of weeks ago because someone not liking any type of crisp, um, it's, it's, like, it's like not liking music or plants or something. I just don't, don't quite... I don't quite get it, but we've got time. We've got time. <laughs> okay, well, I like music and plants, if that helps. So. Great, great. Okay, well. two of the three. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll come back to crisps and we'll come back to Michael staying at Dan's. I feel like we should probably crack on with football chat at this point, um, as much as we may not want to do that. Uh, the comments are open as usual, um, so let us know what you thought of Saturday's game. Uh, and give us some of your player of the season shouts as well. And uh, while you're doing that, we will discuss this week's headline act. Yeah, this one feels very much like having a headline act of, say, Dido headlining Reading and Leeds Festival, but we are going to start with the Sheffield United game, uh, which Norwich City lost 1-0 to um, a definitely offside, but also in a more accurate way onside, second half goal by James McAtee. Uh, it all capped off a fairly toothless performance from Norwich, I think it's fair to say. Um, Dan, I'll come to you first. We had five minutes of second half stoppage time. Um, but how many minutes or hours might we have needed to actually score a goal in that match? It wasn't great, was it? Uh, yeah, it was poor, wasn't it? And just a bit of respect on Dido's name, actually, because No Angel was a, was a banger of an album. Must have been like 24 apologies. years ago. Wasn't it? So, well, when I say a banger, it had a, decent, it had a couple of decent tracks on there, I'd say. Yeah, it spawned the chorus for Stan as well. You know, yeah, that's right, Eminem Stan. Yeah. Um, but we do, I suppose, have to talk about the football, don't we? It was... Um, well, the, I suppose the most depressing part of it is that there have been worse games this season and we have played worse... Um, and there's been less entertainment than there was on Saturday night, which I think on Saturday afternoon, rather, I think it rather summed up our uh, our season, didn't it? We were sort of we were bullied. The opposition didn't have to do much. Uh, they seemed like they had a slightly sort of more in, uh, more a better mentality. Uh, they seemed like to know what they were doing a little bit. But their midfield, as has been the case all season, uh, nearly all season, has sort of dominated our midfield as well. So it was, uh, it was odd because at half time it was pretty even, but that's because both sides were poor. And then it took about five minutes of Sheffield United controlling the game for them to break the deadlock, whether it was offside or onside. It felt like it was coming. And then after they scored, it never felt like we were really getting back into it. And as we've done recently, we were really sort of relying on a someone banging in a worldie, you know, and uh, without Nunes there, Sarah's the only one who's been do- who probably capable of doing that. So... Yeah, it was it was a depressing day all round. Even the weather was kind of summed up the mood grey and drizzly and cold in April. Yeah. Yeah, God, it really did, didn't it? I hadn't even thought of that yet. You've you've added extra layers of depression that I hadn't even uh, hadn't even remembered. So thanks, Dan. Um, that was a pretty good summation, Ben. Has, uh, has Dan covered off your reams and reams of notes, or have you uh, got anything else to to add on top of that? Let me just flick to page seventy-three. Um, <laughs> no, having sat next to Ben at that game, I can confirm confirm he did even bring a clipboard. In which uh, to put his <laughs> put his uh, reams of paper on? Is that genuinely true? <laughs> I don't have seventy three pages of notes. I certainly did not take a clipboard to Carrow Road on Saturday. And if I had, it would have got wet. Even though Dan and I sitting in the back of the South Stand, somehow the rain—it was that kind of day, wasn't it? Where somehow the rain reached us um, to kind of 
indicate the general mood of the occasion, I think. Um, I'm not sure I, I agree with you, Dan, actually. I, I think in terms of entertainment, I I, <laughs> I really struggle to think of a game where there has been um, less than, than this one. Um, probably because of the few games we have won at Carrow Road this season, I haven't really been at them. My, my own record at Carrow Road this season is particularly <laughs> atrocious, so my, my view on our home form and our season is um, probably even more downbeat than a lot of people. But yeah, it was just a, it was a kind it felt like a game in the first half where neither team really wanted to kind of take the ball by the horns and make something happen. You can understand Sheffield United maybe taking that position because they were the away team and, you know, wanted to stay solid and, and grab a goal and win the game, which is exactly what they did in the second half. But from our point of view, obviously that wouldn't have been part of the game plan. And that's the major concern really is that we seem completely incapable of of summoning any creativity chances our only shot on target as everyone knows was in stoppage time at the end of the game um so i think that that's kind of where the disillusionment comes from um is the nature of the performance the the energy despite i think the crowd kind of being generally good on saturday we've had they've had a lot of criticism this season i say they i mean i'm part of the crowd but we we have had a lot of criticism this season but i think it was generally good generally got behind the team um but there really was absolutely nothing to kind of shout about um david wagner said after the game that he was he was happy with the effort and the application which i kind of get but i think that has to be reflected in some form of positive creativity as well it's not enough at home just to um do do that kind of reach that minimum level and yeah it was um it's just boring really wasn't it it was boring and unengaging and made me think that the, the season's end can you know like to come kind of quite quickly really i don't know if other people are feeling like that um even though we are seventh somehow like i don't know how this has happened it's like some form of unexplainable mathematics steve like i don't know if you can maybe shed some light on that <laughs> it's like when people say oh tottenham are only a point off third in the premier league how they, they never win any matches how are they how are they a point off third in the premier league with the with the championships tottenham <laughs> yeah it, it does feel like a bit of a glitch in the space-time continuum doesn't it that, that more than two-thirds of the division have actually been worse than we have this season i don't really know how that's possible um i'm just hoping no one clips up your boring unengaging and can't wait for the season to uh, the end of the season to come and <laughs> uses it to describe this podcast um ryan the goal itself which i suppose is maybe maybe the only moment worth remembering because it's sort of like a summary of everything that's gone wrong this season kind of a, a a bit of a comical error with Max standing on the ball, kind of inability to clear our lines, a bit of bad luck and it's in. Um, he was on side, played on by Hanley's ass, I think. Um, not that that's a summary of how this, I don't think that's been a, a common theme of this season. Um, it's but yeah. range in Scotland, isn't it? <laughs> the, the Hanley's, the Hanley's asses. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of summed up the game, kind of summed up the season a little bit for me. What do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, defensively, it, it was a mix of bad luck and just really poor application as well. As you say, um, Max kind of, not even like he, he took too long on the ball in the conventional sense. He just sort of didn't know where he was going with it and somehow had it between his legs. And then a second later, it was by his heel. And then the, yeah, I mean, they just overloaded in the right areas and it's a, unlucky deflection i was looking at where the ball bounced when i watched the highlights again earlier and it bounces kind of 
in the one place where the defense can't get it and perhaps it's too far for angus gun to come out as well so there's a bit of element of an element of luck in there but as the guys have covered as well it, you get to the point where a few years ago if that kind of luck um went against us it, it would just be that it would just be bad luck but and you kind of kick on from there but it's just so ironically compared to how the weather was on saturday it's just so dry isn't it and boring at, <laughs> at points and uh, i'm going to throw a question out there to you guys D- does anyone else kind of wince when you look at the lineup and you see a 4-4-2 lineup in this day and age of football especially with how we choose to apply it because it just doesn't seem doesn't seem to benefit from having three or four attackers on the pitch because they're not utilized in the right way and we it says 4-4-2 but it's basically a 3-0-7 in essence really there's nothing in that middle and that means there's nothing offering heading forward and when the you have to go direct because you have no opportunities to do anything else when the ball comes back there's no chance to recycle that because there's just nothing in in that middle gap uh, yeah, interesting. I was thinking about this myself, actually, because when, when Wagner first came in, uh, where was it? At Preston, our first win in Coventry, what we did was essentially have two men up top, Pukki or Sargent playing, basically Sargent as the 10. And we had Dowell and Onel sort of tucked in, didn't we? And then Sarah and Kenny sort of two behind that and with the fullbacks pushing on really high. And whether the teams have worked us out, or whether there's been injuries, because Dowling and Ello obviously are big misses. They've created more chances than uh, anyone else in, in our squad, those two have, throughout the season. They're big misses, and we're relying on Marquinhos, a guy who's barely played in English football, uh, on the right, and we're relying on uh, Ida, who's a number nine, on the left. So it could be argued we don't quite have the personnel to play the at the moment the system that Wagner um, wants to play. But again... If we don't have the personnel to play that system, then change that system and play a system where we do have the personnel, you know, to have. So I, at the st- it's weird because at the start, it looked like everyone, all the players knew exactly what they were supposed to do. We were on the front foot. We were dominating teams. And to be fair, you know, against Millwall and against Hull and Cardiff and those wins, we still play really well. That's the key difference between now and under Dean Smith. When we play well, we look like we deserve to win football matches. When we play poorly, we look as bad as at any point under Dean Smith, I'd say. But it's a bit of a mixture. There's fatigue. There's yeah, players out of the wrong position, people being injured, maybe teams working us out. But um, So at the moment, this looks like a really dull conventional 4-4-2, but I don't think that's what Wagner wants, though. Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> they're, they're to me, in my, in my view, there just seems to be sort of confusion in that front line at the moment around who's doing what, and maybe there's especially with Ida, Sargent and Pookie, obviously all number nines really. So their instincts are probably the same. And there's not that, there's not that kind of cohesion in the final third at all, which is the root of the problem really. And while on one hand, you could argue that we should be able to um, deal with injuries to Dal and Hernandez, who as Dan said, have been very important players under David Wagner. It's also like that they in a way as Dan sort of illustrated there are so important to the system that we've played and actually with Ida and Marquinhos there not only were they ineffective but it meant that Yanulis hardly got forward Max Aaron's tried bless him but he you know he can only do so much I think um that, that kind of the, the effect of not having that the setup right in the final third kind of permeates throughout the whole team really and it ends up with 
a team that really doesn't look like it has a plan, a team that doesn't look like it knows how it's going to score a goal. Um, it's not like we're creating loads of chances and missing them. It's a it's a real um, absence of invention and creativity. And I think, and look, maybe rightly, some of these individuals have come in for criticism recently, especially those forward players. But I think, you know, n- none of them can be criticised too heavily. I don't think because the like, if you th- if you think how Tammy Puki has, you know performed in a Norwich City shirt over the last few years it's because of the the creativity around him um Eder and Sargent much more used as Dan said to playing through the middle so I think it's a um it's just yeah a a circumstance which David Wagner wouldn't have wanted but I would kind of like to see something different now going forward like we need to we need to change it because the like I was at the Stoke game I'd missed the Huddersfield game but Dan was there so he can vouch for that but I saw this in, certainly in the two most recent home games, Sunderland and Sheffield United, there's kind of a chronic lack of um, forward momentum and creativity. So I think even though the options that Wagner would like to have aren't available to him, there, there has to be some kind of change going forward, I think. Uh, so I just remembered Wagner when he first came in, actually was asked about the three strikers and he did say he would not play all three together. And of course he did on Saturday, which... A, again, is you know a lot of that's down to injuries, and let's not forget Nunez wasn't available in the squad either, or can only assume he wasn't available. Um, and he obviously that's quite damning on Cholis as well, who was obviously on the bench, um, and he's sort of been forced into playing those three. But yeah, I do think, as Ben says, it, it needs a little change, unless there's you know, and until Onel and well, Dow's not really back until the end of April, but until Onel's back um, and Nunez is back then we might be stuck with it. But if they are back for the next you know, few games, then we should probably see a little change, I think. Even when Nunes has been available, though, and been deployed, I think the way he's been deployed has been, I don't know, he still feels like he's playing really high up the pitch and not being found in those sort of um, holes where he can be creative. It feels like there is some kind of tactical instruction which maybe isn't getting through to these players at the moment. Um, yeah, sorry, Steve. Well, it's interesting that Nunez and Sarah have kind of switched in terms of Sarah's now the one playing deeper when he was more advanced earlier in the season and Nunez is playing further forward. And I, to be honest, I'm still not sure where, the, where Nunez's best position is, whether he is better as a deeper midfielder alongside someone like McLean or Sarah, or whether he's better in that number 10 role. Um, I mean, looking at the, the names of the players who we had in those kind of attacking midfield roles at the start of the season... Uh, it's almost unbelievable that, that this was this season, but we had Rashitsa, Sinani, Cantwell, Ramsey, all gone, all gone now. Um, and with the Hernandez and Dowell injuries as well, I think, you know, I, you've said it many times, Dan, that Alec Neal squad that went up, uh, he decided to stick with one striker rather than try and shoehorn um, all of, uh, was it Jerome, Hooper and Graben into the same team? And it paid... And Lafferty, <laughs> what a front four it could have been, um, and it and it worked. But obviously, in that instance, he did have the creativity of you know the likes of Houlihan, Redmond, um, House, and Johnson. So um, Doran's even. Um, so yeah, I, I think he, if if we're going to offer some mitigation, uh, he has been slightly hamstrung, um, as Christopher Woolner puts it. Uh, how do we have a squad of attackers with no attack? Uh, it's uh, not not too unfair, that. Um, I think that sort of covers it, um, unless there was anything else to mention. Um, the only other memorable thing for me was 
apart from the goal, was the magnificently late tackle by Gabriel Sara, which was um, <laughs> like something from from like two thousand and four or something. It was fantastic, <laughs> just how late he was on that. Uh, yeah, that, that was really it. Oh, Sorry, Ben. No, go on. No, you go. You go. Well, I was going to say that that felt a lot like a less violent uh, Gary O'Neill tackle against Stoke. Sarah's did. <laughs> and done with a bit more flair as well, because it, it was so late. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do it with less flair than Gary O'Neill. <laughs> Go on, Ben. I was just going to say, like, um, a couple of, there's another moment, I think it was in the first half, where we had like a free kick in a dangerous position. We did try to do a routine and just kind of passed it out for a goal kick. That was um, a <laughs> mildly amusing moment. And also, um, the Zorb challenge at half time was incredibly entertaining. I don't know if anyone saw that, but it went right down to the wire. So um, yeah. it was a goal on the whistle. High, high quality Zorbing. I mean, it comes to something yeah. when the half time entertainment is better than the, uh, the, really the 2 45 minutes either side of it. Um, can, can I add a little depressing note as well? <laughs> Another depressing note? Cool. Well, we and haven't had enough so far. We really need a shade of grey to add to the uh, overall picture. So the team at the end, we had Marquinhos, Gibbs, McCallum, Kamara and Cholis on the pitch. And if that's a little glimpse into next season or beyond, then um, then I'm not sure we're all going to be back this time next year doing this. <laughs> I, I was looking at Sheffield United's substitutions in the second half as well. Um, and they brought on Chris Basham, John Fleck, Ollie Norwood and Billy Sharp, which is the most Sheffield United like group of substitutions you could ever... Like, they, they could have brought on Tony Curry and that would have kind of made that a... Uh, the most Sheffield United kind of... Um, They've all got that slightly yeah. square head, haven't they, with the same sort of haircut yeah. that dangles down. Yeah, they're, 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 basi they're basically like that sort of that Pro Evo player from Pro Evo 2 or something, which is just the, the same uh, <laughs> white man with, with brown hair. You know, that's 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 what that is. Um, yeah, throw Chris Morgan in and I think you've, you've got the full thing out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I think we can probably move it on to uh, the what we call twangter. Very carefully, the things we are not going to talk about that we are actually going to talk about. Um, Dan, you uh, included him rather harshly, I thought, in your list of players not to look out for next season. Abu Kamara did make his debut. Um, the only thing I've got to say about it is uh, he wore number forty-seven, so uh, AK forty-seven. I don't know if that's a. I'm assuming that's a deliberate thing. Surely. That's, got to be. that's like um, the cricketer Joe Root who has Root 66 on his back. Surely. That's it. Yeah, and maybe maybe Abby Kamara can follow in the steps of Joe Root and go on to captain his country. We shall see. Who knows? He didn't play Bond game. Um, apart for, aside from that, uh, I suppose we ought to mention the fact that um, Angus Gunn made his debut for Scotland and has played twice and is yet to concede a goal. Um conceded fewer goals against Spain than Sheffield United with Grant Hanley in front of him. So well done to Angus. Um don't know if anyone saw either of those Scotland games or whether he made any saves or played particularly well. I'm seeing blank faces. No. <laughs> okay. Do we, do we not have a guest <laughs> cameo by Stuart Hodge here just to That would be really helpful right now. Could maybe could yeah. uh he could, we could pipe in a voice note from him. I'm not prepared to do that. Um, didn't they? Um, I, well, what I do know, Steve, is they brought on Kenny, didn't they, as well, to shore things up in the last 20 minutes against Spain. Like, that's a um, bold move. It's a <laughs> yeah. damning indictment of Spain, I'd say. That, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Someone yeah. pointed out that a lot of the BBC text report of that just said, uh, Hanley goes down under pressure, wins Scotland free kick, which is <laughs> ultimate <laughs> Hanley. <laughs> <laughs> a swell of pride about that. 
It's a key, key part of the game plan, I would have thought. Um, anyone else got anything that they do not want to talk about? Uh, just one thing. So a friend messaged me about Norwich's home form, which, as we know, because we've all all been this season, is bad. But against the top top half of the championship, I'm just going to quickly read them out. Burnley loss, Sheffield United loss, Borough loss, Luton loss, Mill win, Blackburn loss, Coventry win, West Brom draw, Preston loss, Watford loss, Sunderland loss. So we lost seven. So lost eight out of the 11 games, picked up seven out of 33 points. You know, and there, it was a couple of seasons ago where we were still saying we want to be a top 26 team, where we're not even competing in the top 11 in the championship at home at the moment. That's incredibly damning, whether that's mentality, squad, either way, that 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 that's kind of sums up how poor this season's been for us, I think. Yeah, and lost, as you said, I think the top five have lost all of them and scored once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, uh, just to throw in uh, another quick stat, uh, Norwich City, I think before lockdown, we would average um, scoring in 82 of our percent of our games at home. Uh, now it's down to, f- since lockdown, it's down to 57%. So it's nearly half of our games at home that we've we've not scored in uh, at Carrow Road, which is not, not ideal and probably gives you a sense of why there's so much apathy uh, knocking around. Um Okay, well, we'll cut. We'll come onto the comments shortly. Um, but I wanted to have a quick chat because the um, Player of the Season awards, the voting for the Men and Women's Player of the Season awards, opened last week. Um, in terms of the Barry Butler Memorial Trophy, I'd say it's pretty open. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's any runaway contenders this year. So, um, yeah, I've sort of asked everyone to have a think about who their vote might be going to. Ryan, I'll come to you first. Um, I've got five contenders down. Um, oh, I've got really? Five. I've got five. Okay, as well. I wonder if we've got the same five. <laughs> oh, I've got my exciting, isn't it? I feel okay. alive. Okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're coming to the good bit now, folks. We're re- we're really up <laughs> for it at this point. Um, Ryan, I'll I'll ask you who do, who do you think will get it, and uh, we'll see if if any of those oh. names, if your name is on the uh, mine and Ben's lists and Dan's. So until about November, I would have said Josh Sargent would have got it. I think the 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 difference in him at that time was chalk and cheese compared to last year. But since then, he's kind of gone off the boil a bit. So at the moment, there's three for me, I think, could get it at the moment. Um, uh, I Angus is one, although I'm kind of a bit hesitant because he's not played too many more games than Tim Crawl has, although we could argue the games he has played, his performances have been way, way better. Um Max, as well, for me, is another one, only on the basis that regardless of how pants the rest of the team is, he seems to be a consistent 7 out of 10 every week, which, given the context of this season, is probably the the best we could hope for at this point. Um, Perhaps a slightly controversial one, I would have gone for Kenny as well. Um, But then, then again, I think, again... the whole squad's just blown so hot and cold, really. Mostly cold, admittedly, but <laughs> I, I, this is so it's such a depressing pod, isn't it? It's <laughs> really bad. This quiz um, better be good, Ryan. Oh my god, goodness! <laughs> so much pressure now. Um, if I had to pick from those three at the moment, I'd say Angus, but I'd probably 
closely followed by Max and probably Josh over over Kenny, just about. But at the moment, Angus just. Okay, so we've got Angus followed by Max followed by Josh. Um, Dan, were those three names on your list of four, and would you put them in your top three in some sort of order? Josh wasn't on my list of four, but Angus and Max are. Um, and I added Sarah Onel to that. Onel, it's a, you know, a lot of people have loved Onel's uh, passion and love for the club. And at the start of the season, it felt a little bit patronising because he wasn't really putting the performances deserve that. But under Wagner, he did look transformed, genuinely. He looked like he was making good decisions. He wasn't just beating players. He was making good decisions, creating a lot of havoc and a lot of chances. So I think he's he, he would deservedly be in for a shout, and I actually think he will win it. And uh, and Sarah as well. And and I suppose Kenny, but I'm slightly morally opposed to uh, giving it to Kenny. <laughs> morally <person>. opposed. <laughs> uh, but I think yeah, I, I think my, the top three will be um, Onel, number one, Sarah, and then Angus. And I do think, by the way, Max absolutely has probably been our most consistent, consistent performer this season, but <laughs> You know, a right back probably doesn't win it in a season when you're finishing seventh or eighth in the championship. Yeah, in fact, a right back just never wins it. Has a right back ever won it? Season. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> should, should, wouldn't happen, shouldn't happen. Um, okay, well, completely different from Ryan's list. Um, so, Ben, wh- where are you coming down on this one then? Well, I, I didn't have Angus, actually, but I'm feeling like I probably just omitted him by mistake. Um it's hard, isn't it? Because you can't really make a case for anyone because no one has reached the levels that are required to normally be a player of the season for any club in any season, I don't think. Um, but my five are people who have um, already been mentioned. So in no particular order, uh, Aaron's, McLean, Sarah, Hernandez and Sargent. Um, I'm going to I'm going to speak up for Kenny. I'm going <laughs> to not morally oppose him being in the running for player of the season. Um, and I think, he, like, yeah, his performances have been obviously not, I was going to say consistent, but they haven't been consistent. <laughs> but what has been consistent is is his fights and his leadership and his funny moments where he throws his hands up in the air and apologises for things, which, you know, it is certainly a factor for me in judging player of the season this year like those kind of um minutiae um yeah i felt like i don't know i think i feel like onel will get it because of how the voting is cast <laughs> and um <laughs> norwich supporters love onel hernandez um agree with ryan like sergeant in a few games earlier in the season was pretty unplayable actually um but now he's very much playable and uh we <laughs> sarah again has has been really great in some games, um, but took ages to get going and kind of had an injury and stuff. So it's like it's it's really hard to kind of pick one of them definitively. But I will say Hernandez because of the flawed voting system. Okay, so yeah. so you're hedging your bets there by saying you wouldn't go for him, but that's who will win. Um... <laughs> Didn't say I wouldn't go for him, mate. Didn't say I wouldn't go for him. So, <laughs> okay. yeah. And we'll get to probably get to see a, a really entertaining tattoo that it will have for winning player of the season i imagine that's true for that reason alone i think you should get it um i mean i really like the idea that um kenny should just be scrubbed from the list like tyson fury was for sports <laughs> personality of the year purely on moral grounds like he's committed some kind of atrocity um i'd actually forgotten about Onel, so he was not on my five but angus was um 
I have a feeling Angus might be in with a shout actually for the similar sort of reasons that I think there's a there's a connection there that a lot of other players don't have. Um, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd probably give it to um, the morally outrageous Kenny McLean. I think he's. I think over however many games we've played, he's um, number one. However ridiculous he's, that may sound, he's been okay. So <laughs> yeah. he's, been fine. Yeah. He's, he's reached that six out of ten level that we really aspired to this season. Um, I really hope when Dan Wynn announces the play of the season, he introduces the perfectly fine Kenny McLean. <laughs> Yeah. Some of this man's performances have been lauded as okay. In, uh, in... <laughs> he has occasionally hit the heights of just above average this season. <laughs> yeah, I'll be People playing that audio. <laughs> yeah, again, give it to him if he's prepared to walk on the pitch, picking it up like this. You know, um, that's not going to work on an audio podcast. But uh, yeah. Um... This one name none of us have mentioned and the one player who's probably been at his best when we've been winning, both in that run of form, well, I say form, run of uh, results, good results at the start of the season under Smith, and then the run of form under Wagner is Dow, who has been absolutely integral to most of our wins this season and has picked up goals and assists in most of our wins, but he feels absolutely miles off the running, which is maybe a bit a bit harsh on him. Yeah, I feel like a player who has been injured for a third of the season and probably not great for another third of the season. <laughs> just, I just can't, I can't countenance that winning players. It would be the ultimate uh, kind of indictment of how inconsistent we are that the uh, the most inconsistent player could win. But you're right, you're right. He when when he's good, we're good, and there is a lot to be said for that. And he has. I find missed. it kind of fascinating as well that no one's mentioned. Temu, because sort of on the Venn diagram of performances mm. being just fine and sort of emotional swan song, he seems to be almost a shoe in for that because he's still got like top scorer, most goals and assists combined at the club, most chances created. He's he's been one of the slightly better ones in a in a very poor team, and this could be his. Well, I'd I'd say it probably will be his last year at the club, so it might be you know some emotional weight behind that as well. Yeah, yeah that's a good I- shout actually. Yeah, we sort of need a lifetime achievement award as well, don't we? I mean, I, I, I'm i s- sort of bracing myself for the announcement that he will be leaving to come out before that Blackpool mm. game. And that in the same way that Wes's last game against Leeds was very much all about him, I, I have a feeling that that Blackpool game, assuming we're not still in the running for a playoff spot at that point, of course, uh, will be all about all about Tammy. Um I'm going to run through a few of the comments, uh, player of the season shouts in the comments. Uh, Elizabeth Howlett says... Max Ange for player of the season, please. Um, I don't think we have any say in it, but um, we'll, do, we'll do our best. Um, Robert Marsh says, on L for the trophy. And um, Alex, God love the honesty, will probably vote for McGovern, to be honest. <laughs> um, and again, in terms of people you'd want to see picking that trophy up from, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's got to be up there. I feel I feel like he'd win the participation trophy, like under 12s as the, as the guy who wasn't that great, but sort of turned <laughs> up to training every week. And always paid his £2 subs, you know. <laughs> Again, hotly contested this season, I think. Um, I will just, um, I'll fire through some of the other comments. We've had quite, a, if, if it's any consolation, the comments very much reflecting the uh, the tone of the panel uh, tonight, I think. Um, Killian O'Grady asks, what player can turn the season around for us? Um, this this, then, this may be a, a an NA answer, uh, but is there anybody who could do that? Ben, you've got your hand up. 
<clears throat> Liam Gibbs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, please expand. <laughs> thought he was thought he was fine when he came on on Saturday. Player <laughs> of the season material. You might say. <laughs> <laughs> fine, better than okay. <laughs> The um, blandest, most dour pod of ever. <laughs> no, I was looking at I was looking at our team that um, played against Millwall when we won away from home in that game where, for a fleeting moment, we all thought we were going to get promoted again. Um, and even though Gibbs didn't play in that game, like we played a more of a four-two-three-one with Sorensen, and I'm thinking like either Sorensen or Gibbs, to be honest, coming into the team and just offering us more balance, um, more connectivity between defence and attack. And I think just Gibbs has his 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 deployment under Wagner has been quite very different to his how he was picked under Dean Smith, where he was more of a kind of automaton at the base of midfield. Whereas um, he's obviously not played very much at all. But when he has come on, he's been more of a kind of aggressor in the final third and and taken a few risks. And what have we got to lose really? Um, with when, when I said earlier, look, we need to change something. I think it is maybe just bringing an extra man into midfield as as boring and predictable as that sounds like I think we just need to try that and I think he could be the person who could just stitch things together for us a bit in midfield well we'd be okay with only two strikes on the pitch though and that uh, doesn't, doesn't seem like uh, <laughs> and when like I say enough. when when the question was turn the season around like I don't feel like anything is going to turn the season around really so maybe just sort of shuffle it slightly towards the like right direction but not um really turning it around okay well, yes yes steering it slowly um one more question before we move on uh nikki clinchy um if wagner's win loss draw record so far is very similar to smith's at the start of this season is it more a player issue now than manager i mean is it too early to say that or um are we i mean is is the Wagner-lution, has it stalled? Is it over? I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, or does it just need to be turned around by someone like Liam Gibbs? Well, there is definitely a, a player issue, isn't there? The squad is needs a refresh. But as I said earlier, I think our performances in wins under Wagner have been much better than our performance in wins under Smith. We have deserved to win games uh, under Wagner. And Starley plays, you know, with the, the pressing high. That takes a pre-season really to instill that really, really effectively. As as actually Ben said to me during the game, we're not really seeing that much from our team uh, now, um, despite what we thought we might get under Wagner. But it does take really fit players who buy into that system, and that often takes more than say, you know, a couple of months during a season. So I think I've forgotten what the question is now, but I, I think there is a player <laughs> issue. We have a player issue, but we now have a better coach than we did at the start of the season, I think. I we we gonna... don't have a manager issue until the club start advertising an evening with Christoph Bueller. And then like we are uh, <laughs> we know we know the writing's on the wall. Go on, yeah. No, I was gonna echo what Dan was saying with regards to the the, the sort of the, the fitness and the intensity really. Um I feel we had the we had the conversation at the start about players fitting into a system, but I feel like they have to get used to the the intensity of the the sort of gang and press style and the the sort of quick turnovers and whatnot. I watched an interview the other week. Um, do you guys know the Under the Cosh podcast? Mm-hmm. That's all. Uh, I watched an interview with Mark Hudson, who was talked about David Wagner coming into Huddersfield, and 
he said um they he Wagner I think must have came in about November December time and they said it took them until April to really understand what it was they needed fitness wise and they had the, they went to Austria had a whole preseason and it felt like a completely different team going into the start of the next year which of course is the year that they won promotion at Wembley so a few a bit more running lads we're going to win the playoffs next year right that's how it works but but there, there's certainly a lot, there's certainly a lot that needs to like go you know um that goes into it which is aside from the, the tactical um side of the game which uh can't be implemented as dan says in uh, a couple months during a season i was just going to say i think wagner is giving off the air of someone who isn't carrying a lot of hope for the rest of the season to be honest um somebody who is just waiting for that as Ryan described there, that um, intense, inevitable pre-season training camp in the Austrian hills. Um, it was, I think it was interesting when he was appointed that the, the narrative from Stuart Webber was very much around where he's not going to be judged on this season, which seemed, I felt at the time, to be slightly unambitious. But as the season's played out, maybe, I was going to say, maybe they know more about the squad than I do, which obviously they do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't do yourself down, mate, I would say. <laughs> but yeah maybe kind of it's not um they, they kind of had this season earmarked as as a you know head coach gets settled in we'll do what we, we we can try to do to get promoted but we don't ultimately think we can maybe um mm. still seventh though still seventh so yeah and um that feels like a perfect time to segue into three absolutely critical games towards our playoff push so uh <laughs> i'm going to cue john motson at this point this is almost fantasy football. Yeah, I feel like that sting gets more and more ironic with every passing <laughs> week. Um, by the time we're back, we will have played three more fixtures because we are not here next week. Um, Michael will still be in Australia um, and <laughs> I'm not trusted to do a second podcast. And you suspect either we'll be back in the playoff race or our fate will be sealed by that point. Um, it's your classic Friday, Monday, Friday run of games, though. Blackburn away on Good Friday, Rotherham coming to Carrow Road to complete the Easter weekend. Uh, and then you will, in all likelihood, need to take Friday the 14th off work if you want to get up to Middlesbrough on time, uh, as that one's been moved to Sky at 8pm. Uh, we had a good question, which I'm going to just put to the panel straight away from Malcolm Fram. Good name. Uh, okay, guys. Well, let's go with guys. If you were the manager, what players formation would you use for the next game? Brackets, a must win. Um, Dan, I feel like you could be a good person to put this one to. Well, it's one out of three chances, isn't it? I suppose with us. I would I, well, I echo what Ben said about bringing Gibbs in uh, and reverting to a 4-2-3-1. I think I also stick and not meant, you know, that many... I love Timmy Puki as much as anyone else, the, ne the next Norwich or Finland fan, but I would stick Sargent through the middle where uh, where he is, where he causes the most, um, the, has the biggest impact and just hope, beyond hope, that he re recovers some of his form from earlier in the season because he was a genuine handful. handful. And even you know, when he's been poor, he's still been pressing pretty well. Of all of our attackers, he the one, he's the one who really gets it. Um, and I feel like a tough away trip at Blackburn. We need to be sort of a bit more physical and starting does bring that through the middle. So yeah, I'd go four, two, three, one, push Sarah up to the number 10, like against Millwall um, and stick Sergeant through the middle. Yes. And, and then the really, really hope for the best. 
who's yeah who's who's on the left will that be well on L, is on LG to be back by Friday he said after soon? after Easter I think for on L so okay I guess it'll well to be fair to Ida he's had flashes at on the left I, I'm more comfortable with Ida being on the left and Sergeant being on the right <clears> I think there's a more of a wide forward in Ida than there is in Sergeant so stick him on the left yeah okay that sounds like the path to victory and actually actually Ryan we are as Ben says, in seventh, we are four points off the playoffs. We are four points behind Blackburn in sixth. If we win this, we are one point behind with a winnable home game coming up. Am I being ludicrously optimistic to think that uh, that we could still we could still make a push for this? I'm I'm going to keep him with the theme of the podcast and say, but if we lose it, we're then seven behind points behind Blackburn in sixth place. <laughs> you punctured my optimism. <laughs> yeah, there we go. No, no. Uh, yeah, uh, it's oh man, it's. The frustrating thing is I feel like this this season has been such as much as it's been a disappointment, it's been the most disappointing sort of tease for the whole year because there's always that feeling of, oh, but we, we could, we could. And then we watch what goes on and sort of go, no, we can't. Um, I, I still kind of think even if they win on Friday, I think they've shown too many times this season that they're, they're one game away from... You know, oh, this is the worst season in the club's history. The, the stadium's falling apart. I just want to tear up my season ticket and all of that nonsense. So I'm, I'm going to further that um, lack of optimism and say that I, I don't think, uh, judging by like the eye test of this year so far, I, don't, I still don't think top six is really achievable. I think the current top six will be the the ones that stay there. Interesting, and I guess Ben that. It probably like does have to, it's six points or bust over Easter, right? I mean, if they don't beat, as Ryan says, they can't lose to Blackburn, but you sort of feel like they have to win the next two at the very least to have any chance. Would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking along those lines for quite a while now, but I guess as the <laughs> you know remain the games left become fewer and fewer, the the maths becomes very real. So yeah, I think um, you are right, and while the optimism in your question, Steve, around, you know, if we go to Blackburn and win, you know, we are in a very, very, not very good position, but a better position. Um, the idea of going to Blackburn and winning at the moment is so far off, like, reality in my mind that um, I can't even, like, begin to imagine what that what that would be like, which means we're probably going to go there and win. Um, I don't know why, like, Blackburn this season seemed to have we played them twice already, right? In the cup, we have three times, lost. twice, yeah, twice, twice. Yeah. and not scored twice. Um, they 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 are a strange team. They tend to throw up some funny results. Um, but like based on the the cold hard evidence of what we've seen in the last few games, and the fact that we're not going to have any of the more influential players back for this game, it just feels like we're not going to win. Really, Rotherham at home. Now, that is obviously a lot more palatable. They're fighting to stay in the division. Um, and Jordan Hugill coming back to Carrow Road as well. Of course. Yeah, well, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> he nice. He plays for Rotherham, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah, he does play for Rotherham. <laughs> he was captain in the, for one game I saw on the EFL highlights. Jordan Hugill. Is he the captain. running for our player of the season? Like, well, uh, he's, uh, Stephen Simons has already said Jordan Hugill, <laughs> so perhaps he could pick up the awards while he's here uh, next Monday. I feel like Jordan Hugel at Rotherham, that just works, doesn't it? It just feels like that's mm. that's exactly the club he, the right club for him. I, I, I mean, I think they will stay up, actually. I've, um, 
got a got a bit about them. Although Huddersfield bizarrely seem to be making a charge despite being maybe the worst opponents we've had in the last five or ten years. Uh, <laughs> that, that, yeah, now it feels like a great point at Huddersfield. <laughs> 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 and they, didn't they beat Millwall just before the international break as well? They did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah doing they were the worst team I've seen this season. Then, yeah, by far. Truly. Yeah. Hugill versus Hugill versus Hanley is going to be a... Um... I'm not going to the game, so I won't see it, but it's uh, going to be an entertaining battle, I'm sure. Yeah, feel you feel like Grant's going to be doing that thing where he's waiting for the striker to catch up with him so he can fall over, but he could be waiting a while for Jordan Hugel <laughs> to get up. <laughs> he's going to really have to slow down. Um, just a quick one from Adam in the comments, uh, just as we're on Hanley. Um, Big Andy, let's assume he's talking about Omabama Deli and not... Uh, Hughes uh, not starting is more than a bit silly at this stage. Uh, it, it seems slightly odd that Omabama Delhi's not in there, although he's not been brilliant lately either. I don't think. I mean, would would anyone throw him back in for those Easter games at all? Um, I, I'm not well, sure. This, our this problem is... is our centre backs. No, we we spoke about this, Dan, didn't we? In one of our many tangents during the game when we were not talking about our like hobbies outside of football or anything like that. <laughs> I think I just turned to Dan and said, so why isn't Omobamadeli playing? And Dan has just said, because he's not left-footed. So there you go, not left-footed. Okay, and did you write that down on your clipboard? Yeah. <laughs> he, he turned over a sheet on his clipboard and wrote that down in big capital letters. So I'm going to bring that up on the pod, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, the, the back four weren't terrible um, on... When do we play Saturday? Yeah, I, the back, the back four. Uh, yeah, again, this is uh, this, this is the damning with favourite podcast. <laughs> um, so, so, but I, I think Gibson. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure he'll ever win the fans back over. I feel like it's uh, it's too much water's passed under the bridge there. Um, and when you're keeping a youth team player out of the team, that's uh, even worse in the in the fans' eyes. Um, right. Well, we we have. We have plenty of comments, and sorry if we didn't get to yours, but um, I think it's probably time to pass over to Kenny Other Business. And uh, we have Ryan on, and that means that we have a quiz on. And uh, to be quite honest, I am delighted at this point to hand over the reins um, <laughs> for, for five, ten minutes uh, to Ryan. So uh, what, what have you got for us this week? Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, I don't know why that was that was so official. <laughs> it was. Um, cheers, mate. <laughs> there we go. Uh, it's the return of the five-second challenge, and I thought with Abu Kamara making his debut for the club at the weekend, we would have a theme of academy prospects. So I have got four questions each, and you have five seconds to get three answers. Now, I won't lie to you. Some of these are very tough. Um, so let's good. Did kept carrying on. <laughs> this, is, this is the worst season ever. Okay, let's start. Who do you know what? Who would like to go first? Dan and oh, Dan can take a breath. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Okay. I'll step up. I'll step up to the plate. Come on. I love that. I love that confidence. That is the confidence of a man who knows more about this current squad than anyone at the football club. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Ben, you have five seconds to name three defenders that have come through the NCFC Academy and played for the club. And go. Uh, Jason Shackle, uh, 
Jason oh. and the Argonauts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jason. I was thinking you just have a name different Jason. <laughs> Jason Donovan. Exactus and Max Aaron's come on. Yeah, literally. Godf- where, where do yeah. we start? Yeah. Does Godfrey count? Yep. Godfrey, Jamal Godfrey, Lewis or Jason Godfrey, Lewis, as I call him. Godfrey doesn't <laughs> Jason Lewis. You could have had Jason Godfrey, Jason Lewis, Jason Toffolo, <laughs> Jason Spillane. <laughs> How about uh, Chris Sutton? Because he came through as a centre back. Oh, nice. Oh, he's not on my list, Dan, but you would have got a point for that. Jason. It was there's three Jasons, isn't it? So yeah. Yes, fair. exactly. Yeah, of course. Okay, we well, in that case we will move on to let's move on to Mr. Brigham. Okay, Dan. There are no midfielders in this questions as we discussed earlier. <laughs> so you can name if you could name three Academy forwards to have played for the club and go. Uh, Sutton, mm-hmm. Edie, and and Edie. Oh, time is up. Time is up. We're very close. Is Ed a forward? I mean, we can we can have Ed as a forward, can't we? Yeah, we can have Ed as a forward. I've got loads of names written down here, not limited to Chris Renton, Adi Akinbayi. Did you get Chris Renton? Yeah, absolutely. He's the the youngest academy player to come through at one time. Uh, You could have also had Adamida Abu Kamara, who literally played on Saturday. Yeah, I did say Um, Ed too late. Ah, well. Ah, oh, sorry, Dan. Well, thank you very much anyway. That was uh, lovely. This is going great so far, guys. <laughs> two, two in five seconds is all right, I'd say. It's I'm taking okay. that. Chris, can Chris Sutton be applicable to any position? Like we just saying, Chris Sutton. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. okay, Steve Sanders. You have to name three Academy goalkeepers, not including Chris Sutton, to have played for the club. And go. Rob Green. I've uh, not started the time of this. this is a show. Oh. Uh, Andy Marshall. <laughs> And yeah. Declan Rudd. Oh, do you know Is what? That... I will. I will. I'll give you that because no one's got That's a point, generous. and I missed messed up the timer. Yeah, absolutely. You also had two Jed's the Jed's gun, and the most recent one is um Dan Barden as well, who of course played in the yeah, Cup a, yeah. a couple of years We've ago. Had a lot, haven't we? Yeah. We've had loads. Okay, right. So we're currently at Steve one, Ben nil, Dan nil. <laughs> this is going great. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, Ben. What's the point scoring? It's just a winner on each round, is it? Uh, if you get if you get the question right, you get a point. It's as simple as that. Oh. That's how quizzes work, Dan. <laughs> just in case you didn't realise. Did I not get I one went... for Sutton? Oh no, I'm not giving you Sutton. No, no, no. I think I think. <laughs> The listeners, Dan, Dan is aghast, absolutely aghast. What's wrong with Sutton and Edie? No, no, okay, Sutton and Edie's fine, but you had to get three in five seconds. Oh, right, fine, yeah, fine, fine. Dan, you've literally played this game three times. How do you still (laughs) not know the rules? It's it's so traumatic every time. (laughs) (laughs) I like how your solution to the problem is just to throw a tantrum now. (laughs) Great. Okay, right. Ben, background to you. You need to name three Academy graduates that have scored for the club. And go. Chris Martin, Ben Godfrey, and Max Aarons. Yes, I will give you that. Well done, Ben. You said Max Aarons before we hit the five-second mark. So that is a point for Ben. Well done. Again, so many answers, not limited to Corey Smith, uh, Jason Shackle as well. Michael Spillane yes. and uh, Jamal Loza as well was one I was surprised that I forgot he actually scored for Norwich. Yeah, but... at Huddersfield, wasn't that? He did, yeah. Mm. Back in the uh, Alex Neil, yeah. Alex Neil's first season. 
Okay, Dan, you need to name three Academy graduates that have scored against Norwich. And go. Sutton, Edie, Bellamy, does he count? Yeah, um, Bellamy does count. Yeah, no, you got the three there. Nice one, Dan. Did Edie score against Norwich? I'm going to just assume yes, because I'm scared I don't of Dan know. at this point. <laughs> so, Sutton. Oh, brilliant. Oh, amazing. I don't even know if Sutton scored against us, actually. No, yeah. I don't think he did. I've got, I have not got any of those names on. I feel I like I don't deserve a point for that. Okay, there we go. Fair enough. But just so you know... Had... Whatever the category is, I'm saying Sutton and Edie as my first two answers. Absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> they are the one. Who, who has, but who do you have down for that, right? Uh, I got uh, Chris Martin, Jamie Curiton, mm. Craig Bellamy was one, uh, Carlton Morris, Daryl Russell as well, uh, Adi Akinbayi, oh, and my favourite one on this list is Darren Kenton. <laughs> oh, Ballester? Yeah, Ballester, yeah. Yes. In what was a game, it's weird that I know this, but it was also uh, Nigel Worthington's, I think, only game as caretaker manager of Leicester. Yes. And uh, Darren Kenton scored the opening goal. And then, yeah, Norwich won 2 1 that day. Not that it matters now, it's all redundant. But anyway, right, Steve, I need you to name three Academy goalkeepers to have kept a clean sheet for the club. And uh, go. Gun ready, Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Gun ready, Marshall. Not I'm ready, not... Red. 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 Yeah, oh, there we go. See, I can't give you that. <laughs> you're Sorry, I can't even not get that. <laughs> there you go. You can't get a point for that now. <laughs> oh, dear. Red. Ruddy. That's what I call Declan Rudd. Ruddy. Yeah, you know, your like... best mate. Rudd. I've heard you call him the Rudster before, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> the Rudinator. Rudd. Rudmeister. Rudmeister General. Oh, gosh. Okay. So the points are currently Steve 1, Ben 1, Dan 0. Ben. <laughs> Yeah, you have to name three of the side that won the FA Youth Cup final in 2013. Uh, Harry Toffolo. No. Oh no, go go go. Kyle Cadden McFadden, Harry Toffolo, Josh Murphy, Jacob Murphy. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, Ben. Another point for you. Fantastic. You there for that game, Ben? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was the main (laughs) guy on the ground. So if I hadn't got that one, that'd have been embarrassing. Played it, played into his hands for that one. Although I did just get a. Just get a question about goalkeepers, which is literally the same one as I just had, and got it wrong. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little right, known fact is that uh, Chris Sutton did come on for the last five minutes of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was assisted by Darren Eady for the <laughs> Okay, Dan, you need to name three Academy graduates who were given their debuts by Daniel Farker. And go. Aaron's Godfrey Lewis. No, I'm afraid not, Dan. Godfrey, because Godfrey, Godfrey was was it, yeah. debut oh, yeah. by Alex oh, Neal, yeah. Oh. Given his oh. debut by Alex Neal against Coventry in the Cup and scored the sixth or seventh goal, if I remember. You could have also had Josh Martin, Dan Barden, Adam Eder, Todd Cantwell, Andrew Amabamadeli and Jamal Lewis as well. Angus Gunn was another one, technically speaking. Yeah, mm. yeah, Godfrey did score from outside the area, didn't he? And did that knee slide in front of the yeah. south stand? He yeah. did, yeah, in front of all twelve people in the south stand for that game. <laughs> yeah, the sixth goal of that game, and he celebrated yeah. like it was a last-minute winner. I absolutely loved it. Yes. Okay, Steve, your question. I need you to name three goalkeepers. No, you're fine. Uh, can, you name, <laughs> can you name? Uh, can you please name three graduates who were given their debuts post Daniel Farker? And go. Gibbs, uh, Kamara, and I don't think I can name any more. Ah, you could have also had John Tompkinson, John mm-hmm. Rowe, 
and friend of the podcast, Gary Tony Springer. Gary Tony, Tony Gary Springer. Springer. Tony Gary Springer, not Gary Springer. <laughs> I've written Gary Springer on here as well. <laughs> Jason Springer. Jason Springer. Chris, Jason, Gary Springer. Oh, well, I apologise to Tony Gary. Can't believe I've forgotten. Okay, the scores, I believe, are Dan 0, Ben 1, Steve... Uh, ben 2, sorry, Steve 1. So... Ben, you can seal the win with this. And this is a question <laughs> which will be very easy to answer because it's a hypothetical. I need you to name three players whose boots you would have cleaned if you were an apprentice at the club. And go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Craig, be- what? Bellamy? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Darren Eady. <laughs> Shouldn't have just gone straight in with Sutton and Eady. That's a given. Yeah, That's a given. Was, yeah I, was, I was expecting that. Oh, no, okay. You've not played this game before, I don't think. No. <laughs> okay. You should have known that, really. Right. Daniel Brigham, this is a chance for you to get a point on the board. I need you to name three celebrations you would have done after scoring a hat-trick at Carrow Road. And go. I would have done the old arm throw one that Sutton did, the Darren Eady one in the air, and the Craig Bellamy celebration, which no one else joined in with because no one seemed to like it. Do you know what? Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> Just for the no one seemed to like it comment. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so that's a point for Dan. But Steve, you can draw level here. Okay. I need you to name three sponsorship deals you would have gotten as a pro coming through the academy. And go. Uh, Commons Mustard, um, Aylsham Bathroom and Kitchen Centre, and <laughs> Tetit's Animal Adventure Park. <laughs> got to keep it local. Got to support your local oh, businesses. Just for the sake of I haven't got a tiebreaker, I can't give you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lost on a technicality. Yeah, I will accept. Oh, well, Ben is this week's winner with two. Well done, Ben. Well done, Ben. Well done, Ben. Well done, Ben. As well, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. I know, thank you. This is my favorite quiz I've done only because it was an absolute sham, like this season. (laughs) Yeah, it just feels good to smile and enjoy life on this podcast again, to be honest. Uh, What a a joy that was. Um, after what season, Steve, do you think with your sponsorships would you have have taken the BK8 money on your way up or on your way down as a player? Um, well, I think I've, I've pretty much plateaued throughout my career, so I'm not sure there was an up and a down. Um, but uh, I would have, I would have been in on that pretty early. I've, uh, I've got very little faith in myself as a, as a, as a, as a, as a professional. So, I think uh, I like you. You could, you could have on. merged two in one. You could have done, you used your Coleman sponsorship on the mustard for the hot dogs and the BK adverts as well. So you could have <laughs> collaborated there. I, I was wondering where you're going with that. Where the mustard <laughs> okay. is going to go? <laughs> Um, and on that note, that's probably all for today's On The Ball. Uh, the Norwich City podcast is eagerly awaiting a 4,000-word deep dive on The Athletic into the Norwich City career of Michael Theopratos. It's an Australia joke. Michael's in Australia. There we go. If you haven't already, then make sure you subscribe to On The Ball via your podcast player of choice. It's available free on your usual player. Just search Michael Bailey Norwich City on your preferred social platform and there. It will be ratings and reviews wherever prompted. Always hugely appreciated by Michael. He tells me all the time. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, just send Michael a direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey. He may not look at them until after he gets back from his holiday day. And you can still send us your suggestions for topics to discuss by emailing twitters at iCloud.com. A big thank you to our three guests tonight. Ben, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Steve. Great job, as ever. 
looking forward to having you in your notes back next time. Uh, Ryan, brilliant quiz, brilliant contributions. Loved it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, mate. Well done. It's brilliant. Thank you. And uh, again, very formal. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what's happened. We don't normally talk like this to each other. Warm <laughs> regards to you. <laughs> best all wishes. <laughs> You're sincerely. And Dan, um, uh, well, yeah, great, great work, mate. You know, fantastic. Yeah, cheers, bloke. Cheers, bloke. See you at a pub after this, right? <laughs> And thanks to Ryan for once again exposing my uh, sheer anxiety I get for uh, timed quizzes. Always a <laughs> Well, you know, you were brilliant up until that last 10 minutes there. Uh, let's, let's put it that way. Uh, Michael will be back uh, with a tan and maybe one of those hats with the corks on it in a fortnight's time. Again, Australia joke. Um, when the playoff push will no doubt have reignited. Uh, but until then, have a great Easter. Uh, plenty of eggs, hopefully even more points. And uh, see you on the other side. Uh, as I tee up the outro. Bye.